Today's Oswald's about the test of loyalty, December 18th. It says that we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God. So we know this. We talked about this a few weeks, a few weeks ago when I talked about being persuaded, being fully assured, going through these moments. And looking through the words saying, yeah, we know this, we're assured of this, we're persuaded of that. And then what do I have? I have a bunch of, of people walking on eggshells. That's not somebody that's assured and persuaded and no, right? That's somebody that's still tentative. Well, I don't want people that are tentative. You know, what, 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 what happens when we, we find eggshells? We don't tiptoe, we stomp. Why? I want everybody to know we're coming. And when you can be confident that you want everybody to know we're coming too, because not only am I going to show up, you're going to show up in, in with me, we're going to make an impact, like with these messages, like with these, this music. We're going to do something with these things that I think has um, every opportunity to really, really, really make a difference. But the challenge is going to come back to what do we want to do, right? How do we want to work this out? So in a test of loyalty, it is only the loyal soul who believes that God engineers circumstances. Only people who honestly believe that God engineers all the circumstances in our life. It's something that's loyal to the fact that we know because we've spent time and we've spent many days, weeks, months, years maybe getting to know more and more about it to see how loyal he is, how he confirms things, how he, how he do, does work things to do good. These are the things that bring that assurance and bring that persuasion, bring that confidence. But we have to understand that it's only someone that's loyal to that is one that's going to come to actually believe that all circumstances are engineered by him. We take such liberty with our circumstances. We decide on oh, this situation, um, all right, God, I got this. When I've been here before, I know what to do. So have any of you ever done something in a circumstance that didn't work? Oh, I got a whole bunch of yeses, okay? So the challenge in that is, why would I ever want to do something in any circumstance that I think is going to work? I'd rather wait and do what God tells me to do in that circumstance, because guess what I know? It will work. My confidence is the fact that he's going to, either this is going to work or he's going to work it to the good. And I believe that. So as believing that, pretty soon your life starts to reflect those beliefs. And pretty soon you have, have the peace and the joy that the world has to offer right here now by the walk that you have with God. We have to believe that God engineers them. Although we have to understand we, we do... We say we do, we treat things that happen as if they're engineered by man. Somehow or another, we think that, that, well, yes, I believe God engineers, but God didn't engineer this one. So-and-so did this. So-and-so did this to me. So-and-so did that to me. This situation happened because of this. You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a believer in, in watching God work, not just in our lives, but in everybody's life around us. You know, and... From the beginning of this, I don't know how many Trump followers or who we have around here, don't have around here, don't really care about that. But I said in the very beginning, I said, you have, you're going to watch this man. And, and he's definitely a man, in my opinion, kind of, kind of like smoke and mirrors. All the while he's got you watching what's going on over here. It's sleight of hand. He's doing some stuff over here that he's brought the economy back. He's got, got unemployment down. He's got, you know, the economy up. He's done all these amazing, amazing all the while they're bad-mouthing him. But here, guess what? If they're picking on him, they're leaving the other poor suckers alone. All the while they're messing with him over here, he's getting stuff done. 
So he's not distracted. He's not, you know, deflected. He's not anything. This man is allowing these things to go on and ultimately being proved that somebody's just on a wild goose chase, but all the while that's going on, he's actively pursuing things, getting them done on our behalf. And I know that he's a believer to whatever level and degree. So our position needs to be like-minded, that no matter what we seem to be going through, are the things that we're doing working out for the glory of God in areas of our life that, that, that impact or, deflect, or affect other people? Going and taking a look, like I said this morning, looking in that mirror and saying, is this life I see in the mirror having its way with other people to get them to know and, and want to know the glory of God. If you look at that mirror and take a good look at yourself and you don't see how others might want to get to know God because of what they see, maybe you ought to consider what you're looking at and what you're presenting, correct? Yes. People need to know the Lord. We know the Lord here, correctly? So if we know the Lord, we know people need to know the Lord, wouldn't our, our, our part of our prospect of our life is to be to help others get to know the Lord? Yes. To always have a reason for the hope that's in you? I'm hoping you have some hope. And if you got some hope, we want others to want to have that hope. But they're not going to ever want to know the hope we've got if we don't act like we got any. So we have to change some things. God engineers them. Sometimes we treat them, though, as they were engineered by men. To be faithful in every circumstance means that we have one loyalty, and that is to our Lord only. Suddenly, God breaks up a particular set of circumstances, and the realization comes that we have been disloyal to him by not recognizing that he'd ordered them in the first place, that he'd put things in place and had a plan all along. And all the while we're crying over here and boo-hooing and, and whining and complaining, he's like, you have no idea what I'm getting ready to go do. And when you do, you're going to feel really stupid for sitting over here crying and whining and complaining when you realize that all I wanted to give you was abundant life. And the only way I could get you to abundant life was to get, to, get you the hell over yourself so I, so I could, right? Yes. And, and, and all the while we're whining and complaining, we're not over ourselves. We're caught up in ourselves. We never saw what he was after, and that particular thing will never be repeated all the days of our life. He's going to do certain things. We might not get to see them repeated in our life because we blew the first shot we had. God is faithful to give us what we need. Not sometimes, all the time. But that means that every single situation, every circumstance is a lesson in relationship to Christ Jesus. Everyone. So we have to learn that, that sometimes that we have to, to walk things out. We talked a message a couple of weeks ago that if we're having this, this life and we're having a situation, if it's a blessing, we drink that cup in respect and, and rejoicing with the Lord. If, it's, if we're having a, uh, that, that cup, that cup of whatever we're getting is is you know some kind of trial or tribulation, then we drink it in communion with him. So it's still always about him and us getting to know him. The test of loyalty always comes right there. If we learn to worship God in our trying circumstances, 
He will alter them in about two seconds when he chooses. That grace will just come in and he'll create a brand new opportunity. He'll make a way where there is no way, which is, by the way, creation, right? So he'll create a way that doesn't exist today to move you out of where you're at into where, you, where he wants you to be because of your faithfulness. But if you're frustrating the grace of God, or you're quenching the spirit of God, you're killing those opportunities that are to, to, there for you to move you out of your situation and work into the good. If we truly love him, if we're called according to his purpose, he says, I'm going to make those ways there where there aren't any ways to make an example out of you of the glory of God. Not the glory of us. But how he takes care of his and how because we serve him, he makes those ways where there are no ways. He constantly proves himself over and over and over to those that are seeking. Right? Loyalty to Jesus is the thing that we stick at today. We will be loyal to work, to service, to anything. But do not ask us to be loyal to Christ. We, we, we're not really sure how to be loyal to someone that's passed away. We're not sure how to be loyal to, well, this is the Son of God. How can we be loyal to the Son of God? He's not even here anymore. I got news for you. Every decision you make, either it brings glory or shame to his name. And I would just assume that I spend my time bringing glory to his name. I never want shame to be brought to him because of me and or my actions. Do not ask us. It says to be loyal to Christ because many Christians are intensely impatient of talking about loyalty to Jesus. Our Lord is dethroned more emphatically by Christian workers than by the world. We put ourselves on the throne because we want to talk about what we're doing for the kingdom and what, how many lives we're saving and we're all results, results, results. And one thing I love about the Lord, he was never results-oriented. He went out there and he fed the 4,000. He went out there and fed the 5,000. That was the men, not including the women and the children. What I love about that story the most is there's four or 5,000 men there. He didn't invite 4,000. He didn't invite 5,000. He invited them to sit down and eat. And more importantly, there was 5,000 men to one, 4,000 men to the other, plus their women and kids. He didn't care about the numbers. Man, that's going to look good on a resume. I sat down and I fed 4,000 men along with their wives and children. I said, it was a total of 9,273 people, right? No, he didn't care about the numbers. More importantly to me, he gets done feeding them and what's he got? Starts with damn near nothing, he's got baskets left over. To do what? Feed other people. I mean, he's not concerned about how many got fed. He got, he got excited about there isn't any of them that went away, went away hungry. And there was enough left over to help some other people too. You've never done this, right? Gone to a little deal and you, and you had something to eat at this, this party and you asked if you could take some home for lunch tomorrow? <laughs> oh, you're guilty, huh? So you're one of those people that did that. So he had 5,000 people to be fed. How many, how many do you think put some food in their pocket and take home for lunch later? All right, so let, let's, let's, let's get real about this. God provides. He doesn't care about the worldly, earthly, natural, Carnal numbers. 
He cares about making sure the lives are being touched and taken care of to the glory of his Father. And we can be in that same mindset to be a little worried about taking care of people to the glory of his Father. In our food ministry, we have never, ever, ever, ever been able to outgive God. Ever. And people, oh, yeah, we, you know, I, that's a great story. No, you start moving 35 to 40 semis of food a week, and there's no administrative, no operational team, there's no office, there's no nothing. People go, how? I say, Jesus. It's the only way it could happen. They give it to us, we give it away. We take it to the place it needs to be. It cost a few hours here and there. I remember we did that with such ease, and it was just, there was nothing to it. And then one day God says, okay, you're done. What do you mean we're done? You don't need to worry about that anymore. I want you to go over here. I got some other stuff I want you and I to do. What about that? It's already running. It'll run its course. The people know where to go. The people know what to do. You don't need to be involved in it anymore. One of the happiest days of my life. Right? Because all of a sudden this thing was happening. It's still working to this day. And it's been years ago we did that. We don't have to worry about doing it. It's still us that did it. Still our program we created. And it's still working today. But guess what's happened in the meantime? We got lots of new opportunities to go do other things today. Getting us mindset prepared for the next steps that we're going through. Our Lord is dethroned more emphatically by Christian workers than by the world. God has made a machine for blessing men. And Jesus Christ has made a worker among men. So about another, we want to talk about how we use them to just bring results. And I've never been a result person. And one of the hardest things I did when we were doing food and even handing out some of the things is watching some of the people roll up in the parking lot in Mercedes Benz, BMWs, walking up needing groceries. And I used to, I, literally, I had other people from the church, the church that was there. I had, you know, leaders. I had other church members coming to me and asked them, why are you feeding them people? I said, obviously, they showed up. Well, what, how do you know they need anything? Do you think a guy driving a Mercedes-Benz or a BMW is looking for a church to go get food someplace to, to what? To put extra food on his table besides the steak and the lobster he's having? I just don't realize that maybe they got more paycheck than they, they, they got, I mean, more bills than they got paycheck, that they might have overextended themselves. And that was in that season of 2008 and 9 when everything was all ugly. So you don't think that might be the case? And I fought a lot of battles. I won them all. Because at the end of the day, they couldn't reason with me. Because, well, frankly, I'm not reasonable. So it's just, I, I, I just say Jesus, and that's it. That's, that's my reason for everything, right? But guess who was right? Jesus. I like Jesus being right. I like being on his side while he's right. And I like, like you say, I always tell you, you've got a problem? Blame me and God. We, we, don't have, we don't have any problem being blamed. They blame us all the time anyway. Blame us. We don't care. But you know what happens when you blame us? Takes the burden off you, and you can go do whatever you go do. When I started looking at that, all of a sudden the burden got everybody started leaving us alone. A lot of things that were working in those days stopped working because of people that, that had those attitudes. All of a sudden God gives, God can take away, took it back away from them too. The idea is not that we do work for God, but that we are so loyal to him that he can do his work through us, through us. I reckon on, your, on you for extreme service with no complaining on your part and no explanation on mine. 
I want you to come follow me. I don't want you complaining about what I what we're gonna go do. And I don't want you to have to ask me, do I gotta explain to you what we're gonna go do? If you're gonna follow me, just follow me. You know how easy that is? And the crazy thing is the more you follow me and it's not follow him, in that moment you're following him. When you get done, you're blessed beyond your wildest dream going, I don't care why. I don't care who. I just know it was the right thing to do. Why? Because I feel amazing. I got to help some people today that really needed help. That's the whole concept behind what God wants to do. But all of a sudden, we take the surprise out of it. And we start telling you what it's about. We start, you know, you know, setting things up. And pretty soon, you're all knee-deep in all your stuff. And it's lost all the pizzazz. It's lost all the blessing. It's lost all the fun. It's lost the intimacy of the Spirit of God. Because it becomes all about man and man's victories instead of the victory we have in Christ Jesus. God wants to be able to use us just like he used his son. The question is, will we let him? Turn your Bibles today. We're going to... Starting Romans, I know it's difficult. Romans chapter 5. What? Romans 5 again. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace through God, through the Lord Jesus Christ. How are we justified? By faith. We're trusting God and Christ at face value. There's nothing we've had to, no hoops we've had to jump through, no hoops that we've made him jump through first. We are just going to <clears throat> trust who he is. By whom also we have access by that faith that we have into the grace that divine influence, him making a way where there is no way. Wherein we stand, we get to stand in that grace. And he surprises us with just how amazing he does things and we get to be a partner of the overall glory of God. And we rejoice in the hope of that glory. And oh my gosh, if I just come along and I just work with God, when, when God's glorified, I might get a little of that glory on me because I want the glory of God. I want the glory of me. I want, I want to be part of his plan and his purpose. And not only so, but we also glory in tribulations when sometimes things are going great, but sometimes maybe they're not going so great. Is God making a mistake? No, no he's trying to, you know, it's a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God to count you and I worthy for the kingdom of God. Second Thessalonians chapter one, right? I want to put you through some things to see if you're serious about doing this with, and with me or somehow or another you're trying to identify and glorify yourself. And so if you're really doing this to glorify me, then it'll be, it'll be the manifest token. It'll be the righteous payment that we'll make to God to count us worthy for the kingdom because we're for real. We're genuine. We're sincere. We honest to goodness love our Lord, our God. And we want to be part of his purpose and his plan. Knowing that the tribulation will work in us a patience. And that patience that we have and we learn because we wait upon the Lord gives us an experience. I can remember when we first started the food business, how it started. I don't know if y'all remember or not. That was, there was a, I left Orange County with re-entry and I came out here and I started up re-entry in the Empire and Trinity Resource. 
and all of a sudden they had the big fires up in San, San Bernardino. And all of a sudden it started raining and the rain poured down there and it flooded it out and people lost their homes. They, they didn't have food, they didn't have clothing, they had nothing. So this little old church over here, I can't think it was a Baptist church or something over in Riverside, um, somebody, some newspaper came and, and, and a newspaper or a radio station, whatever, came and, and interviewed them and saw it. And so everybody and their sisters started taking all their stuff over to this place because they were going to take those supplies up to the mountain. Well, that lasted about a week. And they had nowhere else to put all the stuff. They had no plan for taking this stuff up to the mountain. They had no, they, they had, they were absolutely, utterly disorganized, had no clue. No idea what to do. We've been doing it forever in Orange County and been starting to get our feet wet out here. We just pulled up and said, hey, look, you got all this. What are you going to do with it? They went, we don't know. Well, we do. And we have a truck and trailer and have other things. And we'll run it up the mountain and start handing it out there. You, you do that? It's what we do every day. Yes, we would do that. Well, you know, we're not, we don't have anybody to pay you. I didn't ask you to pay me. We, would you, do you have to sell this stuff? No, we go give it all away for free. Next thing you know, we had trucks upon trucks upon trucks that just picked up trailers and went up there every day. Then they changed the phone number from their church to our phone number. And it kept going and kept going until that calmed down. And, and we made a joke. I made a joke and said, hey, look, I want to see if I can't outgive God. Uh, that was, that's been a fun task, right? But the more I get, the more I give away, the more I give away, the more I got. The more I got, the more I gave away, the more I got. They, I gave it away, the more they gave me again. I, it just it got crazier and crazier and crazier until eight major warehouses were so full of giving stuff away. They were doing this for tens of thousands of people every every time the people came by. And so they were doing probably close to 150 to 175,000 people a, a, a month. It all started because of one phone call. And we never, we never ran out. We always had extra. So we had experience. Trusted God, had a little patience, had experience. Oh my gosh, this is incredible. It's hopeful. What do we do now? We just kept going. And then when the word got out that we were the one picking it up and taking it up there, then all the food people, all the truck stops started coming in and go, do you guys do food too? Sure, why not? We didn't know food was up. Food do what? We don't go get. All of a sudden we started doing food. Then I started showing warehouses and found out there was warehouses had certain foods that at the end of the, at the, end of the week they started throwing stuff away because they had too much of one thing. And it was just going to waste. And by the time I hit a few of them and found out that this one had three things, this one had a couple things, this one had three or four things, and none of them were sharing, I'm like, are you guys out of your mind? Why don't we just make a decision, a pact here, you give what you got, I'll go get what they got extra, bring it to you, you give me what you got extra, I'll take it over to them. And we opened it next thing you know, we had eight warehouses working together, what, two of them literally right across the driveway from each other. Down in Orange County. And it exploded. And it worked, and as far as I know, still works. But God said, step back. I've got other things for you to do. I want to trust him so the patience gave experience, and experiences gave us the hope. And the hope then makes us not ashamed. We're, we're actually excited about being able to be in the Lord's service. Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts.
by the Holy Ghost, which has been given to us. And we need to remember that while we were out with strength, in due season, Christ died for us. He's the one that did it for us. So we go out and help others as we do it for them. It became a fun task ongoing. Romans 8, 28. <clears throat> so we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God who called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate. Now, that's a, that's a tough one. All of a sudden, you know, let's go back and just talk for a second in this one realm. Uh, let, not, not, not the fact that I'm up here preaching because that's another one all by itself. But up here having food ministry and clothing ministry and, and the things that we were doing. And it says that God works all things to the good to those that love him. Well, I loved him. I got a hold of his purpose. And he made ways where there, no, where there were no ways. Doors open. I remember a church asking me to come in. They wanted to interview me because, you know, um, I was talking to them about bringing food over to them. And they wanted to interview our ministry. I said, why do you want to interview your ministry? And he came in, well, you know, we just need to make sure that who we're, you know, who we're dealing with. I said, um, who you're dealing with? I'm, I'm confused. I'm giving you truckloads of stuff. We, you, you don't give us anything. We bring stuff in for you. And the senior pastor looked at his guys and said, is that what's happening? And they said, yeah, we told you. He's giving this stuff to us. He goes, then why am I here sitting talking to him? Well, you literally get interviewed and decide whether he's worthy or not to give something to him. He's giving it to us. And I said, well, it's kind of what I thought. And he goes, let's, let's revisit this in six months. And that was like 10 years ago. <laughs> okay, never again. But people micromanage. They'd never met somebody like us that got and gave all of it. And gave it with no restrictions, no nothing. So God works all things to the good, and he foreknew and predestined. So he already had this predestined and foreknew this about me. I think he's kind of a stinker. I just want to say that. You know? I think he's kind of a stinker that he would actually, you know, foreknow and predestinate me to this. Thanks a lot, pal. Okay? No, I'm you, I, I have spent a long time being blessed by God doing these things, even though I would never have imagined in a million years doing it. It's not, would not have been my MO. But it became my MO because it just became something to me. I, I'm, I'm kind of crazy. You all know that. I was in love. I loved it. Nothing. And all the money I've ever made paid like the faces of those people we helped. So he works things out. He foreordains and predestines us to be conformed to the image of his son, that his son might be the firstborn of many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, whom them he also called, whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he glorified. He says, you come along with me and I'll take care of the rest, right? I'll punch all your tickets, you'll be, you'll be just fine. So what sort of we say then of these things? If God before us, who can actually be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall we then not with him also freely give us all things too? Give it to us for free. And what are we supposed to do with it? Hopefully give it away free too, right? Just perpetuate the process. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that's going to justify. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yes, rather that has risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So we got the big guy, big guy sitting there beside the Lord, sitting beside God himself making intercession for us. 
saying, hey, yo, PL's still down there doing this. Check him out, man. He's got this church, they're all getting, they're starting to all get fired up. They're all starting to want to help on all this stuff again. You know, look out. We saw what he did last time. Let's see what he's going to do this time, right? Who is he that condemns, though, right? It's him that died. It's him that was resurrected. It's him that brings life. So who shall separate us then from this love of Christ? Shall tribulation, dirt, distress, persecution, shall famine, nakedness, or peril or sword, shall something separate it? For it's written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No, but all these things, we actually were more than conquerors. Even though we were counted for less than, we became more than conquerors through Christ who loved us, right? For I'm persuaded through all this it helped me become persuaded that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from this love that God has for us, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We could have a confidence that we knew that we knew that we knew that God had us. And you, you, you don't, it didn't take long to work in that industry before you realized how much God was in it. Because right when you'd have a problem, somebody would have the solution to the problem within minutes. So guess how many problems we actually had? None. None. They're all opportunities. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how all of our fathers run to the cloud and all pass through the sea. We're all baptized into Moses, this cloud into the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat. And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Both many of them God was not well pleased, for they overthrew, were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were for our example, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. So if there's a test of our faith. God is not only faithful to say, these are the things I'm going to do to test you personally, but I'm also going to give you examples. So you kind of know where you ought to set up. To me, it's, it's like getting a, a, a scouting report. I'm out here, I got a football game Friday night, I'm playing a new team, they're really good, okay? And so we're out there and it's Monday morning practice and the scout shows up with the scouting report of the other team's offensive and defensive play so we can practice all week long based on what we know they do. So when Friday night's game shows up, we're not stupid. We're a little bit more aware, right? Well, how incredible is that when God says, oh, by the way, I'm going to run the scouting report for you. I have all this dialed in for you so that when you show up, here's all the examples of what not to do. And what do we do in the scouting report? We set it in a drawer somewhere and we forget it. Instead of looking at it going, thank you, Lord, because this walks hard enough, let alone not having the scouting report. That tells me how I ought to live my life and what to do and what not to do, which should make it easier for me than it would be for someone that didn't have this opportunity, right? So thank you for the scouting report. Now these things were for our examples to the intent that we would lust after the evil things as they lusted. 
Neither would we be idolaters for some were of them that it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. They, all they cared about was me, 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 and we don't want to make it about me, 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 me. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day. 23,000. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed in the serpents. Neither murmur as some of them did. Uh, and also, remember, and we're destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all of these things happen unto them for examples for us that we are that they are written for our admonition upon the ends of the world that are come, so that we would know how to walk this out to the end. Wherefore, let them that think he stands take heed lest he fall. Let's make sure we're reading this information to help us stand correctly, right? There has no temptation that is taking you, such as not common to man, but God is faithful. About which you are able, that he will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way for you to escape, that you may be able to bear it. So wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge as you what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break is not the communion of the body of Christ? For if being many, we are one bread and one body, for all are the partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel, after the flesh, are not they which eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar? Don't they have to practice what they preach? Yes. Right? Yes. They which I then, that the idol is anything, or they which is offered and sacrificed idols anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I do not have any one of you have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the dev- table of the devils. So do we provoke the Lord to, je- Lord to jealousy? Or somehow we stronger than him and we can go ahead and do whatever we want to do? So God lays out the plan and says, kind of, hey kids, here's the deal. I'm asking you to come and obey yourself unto righteousness. And we go, okay. And then we wonder, what's that look like? Chapter 10, 1 Corinthians. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good start, right? Yes. I mean, that only include idols and fornication and murmuring. It went through a lot of things that we struggled with, right? And said these are the not to do things, and they didn't work out well for them. They probably won't work out well for you. So why don't you do me do me a favor and you a favor? Just follow me, right? Second Corinthians one verse three. So blessed be God, the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us with all t- in all of our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any kind of trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So I'm going to go ahead and lie down the tribulations. And then I'm going to comfort you in them. Oh, okay, so now the tribulation doesn't seem quite so tough because he's going to comfort me in the tribulation. So he's going to hold my hand or he's going to you know, put a cold white what, rag in my forehead if I'm getting overheated or whatever. He's going to take care of me, right? Mm-hmm. But why? So that when I come up to the next batch of folks that are going to go through the same kinds of things, we can say, it's okay. God's going to be with you. And know what? Me too. Because I was there. He was with me. So he will be there and I will be there and we will be there together to help you get through what you've got to get through. So part of your test is you've got to endure to the end, but we're here to help you endure to the end. For the sufferings 
of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effective in the enduring of the same sufferings which we suffer. Or whether we are covered, it's for your consolation and salvation, and our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you be also of the, the consolation. In other words, I'll take care of you. For we would not, brethren, have you be ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. We were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch. Um, we got to the point of despairing of life. But we had this sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves at all. So part of the test is not to trust in ourselves, but trust in God which raises the dead, who delivered us from such a great death, does deliver, and whom we trust, he will still deliver us. So God says, in the midst of your test, know this, I got you. Right? You also helping together by prayer for us. You get help by praying for us because we're going to help others. So we're all coming together, one mind, one accord, praying for one another so we all can make it through this process. For the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanksgiving may be given on many on our behalf. Chapter 4, verse 8. So we are troubled on every side, yet not in need of being distressed. We're perplexed, but don't need to be in despair. Just because just we don't know doesn't mean God doesn't. Right? We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken, so all while we're being persecuted, he's right there to comfort us. Hold our hand and walk us through it. We've been cast down, kicked out, cast down, put away, but we've not been forsaken. God still got us. So always, always, Always listen to that word, remember that word, because too many of us forget that word. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. There is no golden parachute here where one day you finally have done it long enough and you've earned your stripes, you no longer have to be tested. Now, always bearing about in the, in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might become manifest in our mortal flesh. So for us to ever see the life come forth, do we not have to ultimately own the death? Yes. So the more I own the death, the more I get to own the life. So he says, there's a reason, you know, a method of my madness. There's a reason for what I'm doing. For we which are alive are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also might be made uh, manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death works in us, but life works in you. We have the same spirit of faith, according as written, I believed. And therefore I've spoken, so now we also believe, and therefore we're going to speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. That thanks will be given for everything you're going through, that the, the glory would always redound to God, so God's being glorified, God's going to keep showing up. That's part of his purpose. For which cause we faint not, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being revived and renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is just for a moment, works for us a far greater, exceeding, and eternal weight of glory. Even what, no matter what we're going through, even though it's only for a moment, it's going to work out a far greater glory in, in Christ. A relationship and our, and our citizenship in heaven is being confirmed and, and solidified. 
While we work not at the things that are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. The things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So they're not brief and fleeting. They're going to be eternal for us. Chapter 6, verse 3. So giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience through the afflictions and necessities and distresses, Patience in the stripes and the imprisonments and the tumults and the labors. Patience in the watchings and in the fastings. By learning these things through pureness and by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost and by sincere love and faith, sincere love, true, honest, goodness, unconditional, sincere love. By the word of truth, by the power of our God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. So by the righteousness of God. By honor and even maybe some dishonor. By evil report and good report as deceivers and yet true as unknown and yet well known. They don't want to know us and yet everybody's talking about us. You know one of those things? As dying and behold, yet we live as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many others rich, maybe being poor, but making others rich in the power and the authority and the grace of God, as having nothing yet really truly possessing all things. O oh, ye, let's say heart of worship here, shall we? Heart of worship, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is also enlarged or open to you. <coughs> You're not straightening us. We didn't, we're not the ones that got you on, on point and track. You, it's not us that did this. It's Christ that did this for you. But you are straightening our own bowels. In other words, we're, we're walking us out. We're going to do what we're doing. We're hoping that we'll rub off on you, right? Now for a recompense, a reward of the same, we want to speak into you as my children. We want you also to be open-hearted, right? We want your hearts to be open. 7, chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let's cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh, even the filthiness of our spirit, perfecting <coughs> holiness in the fear of God. Receive us, because we have wronged no man, we have corrupted no man, we have defrauded no man. I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die and live with you. Great is thy boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorying in you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulations. For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without, were fightings within, there were fears. Nevertheless, God, that comforts those that are cast down. Remember we were cast down a minute ago. Comforts those that are cast down. Comforted us by the coming of our brother Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation where he is comforted in you when he has told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent or passionate mind towards us. So that I rejoiced in the more. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Though I did repent. For I perceive the same letter has made you sorry, though it were only for a season, for a moment, to kind of just 
tell you the truth, which might have a sting to it, right? But now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you have sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world works death. For behold, the self-same thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, that carefulness it wrought in you. Yes, what clearing of yourselves. Yes, what indignation. Yes, what fear. Yes, what vehement desire. Yes, what labor and zeal. What revenge and all these things. You have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. You walk through these things, you repented, and it's become obvious that you are finally for real. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 2. And then we sent our brother Timothy, minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you, to comfort you concerning your faith. That no man should be moved by the afflictions for yourselves know that we're appointed to afflictions, right? For truly, when we were with you, we told you before that you should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest somehow, some way, some reason, you had let the tempter tempt you and our labor was in vain. So we are going to send folks out to check on you. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. It's pretty certain we're going to carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, let us be there with contempt. But they that will be rich fall into the temptations and a snare, and many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. See, the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O oh man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, godliness, faith, excuse me, meekness, I'm sorry, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you are called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give you charge in the sight of God who quickens all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that you would keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus, which in his times past he shall show who is the blessed and only potent, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the true royalty, who only has immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power in Christ Jesus forever and everlasting. Amen. Now to James chapter 1. Verse 2. See, my brethren, I want you to count it joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing that the trying of your faith is going to work, that patience that we needed earlier to get the experience to get the hope, right? right. And I want... 
to make sure that patience has its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and abrades not, and it shall be given. But let him ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he's going to receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Go down to verse 12. Blessed is the man, though, that endures that temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. When the Lord has promised, the Lord has promised to them that love him. So let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. Or God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts enticed, and then when he's enticed, then lust conceives, and once it brings, conceives, it brings forth sin, and when it is finished, it brings forth death. So do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness and there is no shadow of turning. Of his own will, he helped us be born again. He begot us with the word of truth that we should be kind of the first fruits of his creatures. First Peter chapter one, verse three. Blessed be God, the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, which we just talked about, into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's incorruptible, to undefiled, that fades not away, and preserved in heaven for you. Who are kept, you're kept by the power of God, through faith and the salvation ready to be revealed in this last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now maybe for a season, if you need be, you're in heaviness through some manifold temptations. But that the trial of your faith be much more precious than that of gold, that perishes, though it might be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus. Whom having not seen you love, and whom, though you still see him not yet believe, you rejoice with a joy that's unspeakable, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Chapter 4, verse 12. See, beloved, I don't want you to think it's strange when that fiery trial comes upon you as though some strange thing happened to you. Rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Why has Christ delivered you out of your trial and temptation? If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happier you for the spirit of uh, and the glory of God rest upon you. He rests upon you so that you can get through. Well, that's kind of a nice idea about the test. By the way, I'm going to test you, but I'm going to cheat. <laughs> I'm going to give you the, the cheat sheet. The answer is Jesus. He's going to be with you. you got the whole thing done. My kind of test, right? And he's going to rest upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, though as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in another man's affairs. Yet any of you suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it must begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel be? For if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? 
Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit themselves of the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. And 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is the last one. Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. So, he says he's going to be with you, right? He knows how to deliver you out. There's no temptation. It's not common to man. He'll make a way for you to escape. He's saying in these trials, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest with you. I'll be with you in that. So he's going to help us get out. So, and this is in several spots today. He says, I'm sticking in the midst of it, but I'm going to be there with you to get you through. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to help you. But here's the deal. As I do all these things for you, I need you to remember, I'm asking you to learn them so you can help others as we go forward from here. So there's a reason for the testing. God, for <clears throat> to reserve the unjust to the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not even railing accusations against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of things that they understand not. They're just talking bad about stuff even though they don't understand it. And they shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of an unrighteousness. And as they count it pleasure to riot in the daytime, spots they are, blemishes, spotted, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, a heart they have Exercise with covetous practices, cursed children, with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and gone astray, knowing, <clears throat> following the way of Balaam, the son of Esau, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass, the donkey, speaking to the man's voice, forbade the madness of this prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried in the tempest, to whom the mist of darkness has been reserved forever for them. For when they shall speak great swelling words of vanity and selfishness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness. Those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same that man is in bondage. For factor they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than it was in the beginning. For it had been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness than after they had to have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them as according to the true proverb. The dog is Turned to its own vomit again, and the sow had that was washed through the wallowing in the mire. So our challenge here, kids, today <clears throat> is we have a test that's being performed on all of us on a pretty regular basis. We have the cheat sheet. God says, "Here's the test. Here's all the answers." I gave you Israel as an example of what not to do. I've told you I'll comfort you as you're going through it, so don't panic and freak out. Pay attention because there's going to be a lot of people in here that are pretending around you, trying to tell you they know, like they're the smart ones, and they're going to want you to be following them. Please don't follow me. Walk with me. I will be with you. I will comfort you and deliver you through all of these things. 
So it kind of eliminates the foolishness on our part. Kind of, in my opinion, alleviates the endurance issue. Because now not only I got somebody that's right there with me, but they've got whatever I need to make sure that I can endure. It's not something I'm left to on my own to figure out and to struggle through. He's right there walking, running, whatever we're doing with me. But, and if, we decide to come through and we are successful, we need to realize that all the while things we're going through, we're learning about, we need to be able to help learn and encourage others so that they understand when they decide to make this choice that they have a God that says, look, I'm going to cause you to become triumphant. I'm going to be with you to make sure that you are successful. You just need to follow me. You need to love me with all your heart, mind, body, soul, strength, and follow me. And then promise me that you'll mentor others just as I've mentored the ones that are mentoring you. So please become part of this process. Well, as we're coming down to these last days, which I think are very quickly uh, addressing us, we need to realize there's going to be lots of folks looking for hope. And hopefully we've found some hope. And because we have found some hope, we want to help others find that hope too. Hope's going to require some new experiences in their life. New experiences in life are going to require patience for them to wait for the new experiences to unfold. And the new experiences and the patience are going to have to be built on faith. And faith is going to have to be built on trust. We're going to have to trust that God's telling us everything. Where else do you go and be told, oh, by the way, we're going to have a test. And here's all the answers. Oh, by the way, if you're having a hard time, you don't need a cheat sheet. I'll be sitting right there. I'll whisper in your ear and just write it down. I mean, he's right there to make sure we get through the other side. Now, are we so proud that we're telling, no, God, I'm okay. I don't need any help. I got this. Thanks for the offer, but I'll, I'll, I'll get this one on my own. Me? I'm in his lap. I mean, I'm a smart, smart guy. Smartest thing I ever did? Get in his lap. Not walk around thinking I'm going to trust in my smartness. Because he says, I've made the, the, the wisdom of man foolishness. Then well, what do I got? Nothing. I'll sit in his lap all of a sudden. I fool just became the smartest guy out there. Why? I crawled up under and said, Daddy, please help. Amen. Walk me through this. Help me understand. Help me walk this out. Know that, that everything in me and everything in the world that I'm coming from doesn't like this, doesn't want this, doesn't teach this, doesn't warrant this. I need direction and I need help from you because one thing's for dang sure, I'm going to be pretty damn alone because there's not a whole lot of folks that want to do this. But Lord, you, you, you know that um, the thing, if I've got you, you've never left me, you've never forsaken me. If i got you, I'll never be truly alone. And then finally, maybe at the end of the day, I can actually say, I am okay, but I'm okay because I'm in you, not for any other reason of my own. 